Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! For Yelich! He has tied the game with a booming home run. He got it all. Tied up 4-4 on a big home run the pitch. Ryan Braun sends it to right center and deep. Get up! of the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy Podcast. You can find all the work we do on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod. Joining me, as always, is good buddy Trevor, a.k.a. Sunshine Bender. You can find him on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. He is the host of our Packers Trilogy Podcast, but is here today to talk with me about history in the making. The Brewers are going to the postseason for the third year in a row. How do you feel about that? Man, it sure does not feel like we're going to the postseason. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, I feel like I've said it like every single podcast this whole 2020 season of like, man, they just don't, they can't turn the corner. We were, you know, the first half of the year, maybe a little past that, we're like, okay, when's the offense, offense going to turn it on? Has yet to happen outside of a few games. And Somehow, we're to this point. I mean, it's 2020. I guess we're in the postseason. Going into this year, we thought it would be awesome getting in three years in a row. I was not anticipating this would be the way. Tyler and I were talking before we started recording that the Giants had four games this weekend, won the first one, lost the last three, and literally all they had to do was split that series, like or split those four games. Crazy circumstances, but... You know, as we said, it's 2020. Who knows what's going to happen in this postseason? I did not envision the Brewers getting into the playoffs going two and three over this weekend. I would oh, not have believed not, you. <laughs> no, no way. I said it felt like they needed four in this Cardinals series. And clearly I was wrong on that. And they would have controlled their own destiny if they would have just won this game. And you went to head to Ben scoreboard watching on some other games. But definitely interesting 2020 just keeps going doesn't it It certainly does and yeah the Phillies were the other team we're competing with they started falling apart like in the middle of this last week here and it's just been a downward spiral for them and while things weren't much better for the Brewers I guess we're the best off because we're in the postseason and like you said like anything can happen like these top four teams in the National League here it's the Dodgers Braves Cubs and then Padres and then you go to the like the second division winners and wild cards. Like there's a huge discrepancy in like win loss records here. But I feel like in a best of three wild card round, one of those top four teams is going to lose. Why not it be the Dodgers against the Brewers? Why not? I mean, that would be awesome. Get a little bit of revenge from a couple of years ago. That would that would be nice. Like if I if I was a betting man, I am not, but if I was a betting man, I would not put 
a lot of money on the Brewers just because I've watched them play 60 games and have not been impressed. But also at the same time, three-game series. We watched the Pirates split a 10-game season series with the Brewers this year, and they're a much worse team than the Brewers are. So anything can happen in a three-game series in baseball. It's just about getting your guys out there at the right time. We need special games from our key contributors and Brandon Woodruff if he does what he did in game four game four of this Cardinals series that's going to give us a chance because that that's going to win you a game if he does that kind of performance that he had in this one because that was amazing to see Oh, gosh, yeah, it was. I wrote an article for reviewing the brew about how Woody embraces these moments and, you know, went over his postseason stats and over his last couple starts because he just saw the Cardinals last week, I think it was September 16th. That was one of the doubleheader games, went all seven innings and gave up three earned runs. But then he comes out on Saturday night, goes eight innings, strikes out 10, doesn't give up any runs, just touching 98 still in like the seventh inning just painting the corners like the dude was a bulldog in that game it was awesome to see and now he's gonna at least start one of the games here in the postseason um i think because game one is on wednesday so that would mean he'd be pitching on short rest so probably not that but thursday game two is what it's looking like where he'll be in line to start so let's kind of dial it back here. Before we get into more about the Dodgers, we do have to talk about things that happened during this Cardinals series. Mainly, a lot of it deals with injuries. Game one, Thursday night, Corbin Burns is out on the mound. He needs to pitch four innings to be in contention to win the ERA title, and everybody's hyping him up, and he falls one out short of qualifying. Of course, he gave up some runs and was pitching through what they're calling an oblique injury now and was officially placed on the IL. So he is going to be unavailable for the first wild card series round here. And then on Sunday, Brett Anderson left in the third inning due to a blister, which happened to be on the same finger that had him on the IL to begin the year. Now, most likely finishes his season. They obviously haven't put him on the injured list as we're recording this at at this time, but I would think that's probably coming here pretty soon. So how significant of a blow are the injuries to these two pitchers? Obviously, Corbin Burns is a much bigger blow, and not having it like two starters that you feel confident in really, really hurts. Going into this Cardinals series, we're talking about, you know, I think it was the podcast before this Cardinals series started, that we were talking about, you know, what kind of situation for Brewers pitchers are you looking for? And I said, you want Woody and Burns out there, and you don't want to get to a third game in that situation. If they're your one and two starters, you don't want to get to a third game, because although starting pitching and bullpen has been good this year, they've been very solid for the most part all year, that is a pretty big concern outside of Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. Like, who can you throw out there to get you multiple innings? Because now without Corbin Burns, I think it's much more important because now you not only do you have to have a guy that can get you some innings to win that game, you also need a guy that isn't going to completely decimate your bullpen in game two or game one, whatever the situation is. Like, how are you going to get through 
two game or win two games in a three game set when you only have one starting pitcher that you like 100% can put everything behind because no Corbin Burns really, really hurt. So you have Brandon Woodruff, Adrian Hauser has not been good this year. Josh Lindblom had a blow up start in this series. Is Brett Anderson even going to be able to pitch? Like, I don't even know who a second starter is going to be for a potential or this postseason series. It's, it's very, very concerning. Corbin Burns, obviously more concerning, but the potential of losing your next best starter, probably at least this year, he was our next best starter. The The potential of losing him for the series and your two and three starters really, really hurts going into a very, very tough matchup. Yeah, it certainly has the Brewers in a pickle. And like in terms of the other starters, okay, you have Josh Lindblom. Well, he has not been pitching as of great. And then the Cardinals series went two and a third, gave up three earned runs. Don't really feel confident throwing him out there for game one. Adrian Hauser is basically a non-option at this point. So I feel like game one might actually be a bullpen day. I mean, Brett Suter surprisingly went four innings during his bullpen start and pitched really well. And I think that's the second or third time he's done that this year. And he's excelled in that role. And he was a former starter himself. And when you look at the Dodgers lineup, uh, you throw Suter out there, a lefty. He's going to kind of hopefully neutralize some of their lefty hitters, thinking like Belly, Seager, Muncie. Uh, Jack Peterson's a lefty, so I feel like that scenario could play in the Brewers' favor, and then if the Brewers somehow do sneak out a win in a bullpen game and you throw Woodruff out there for game two, ooh, you feel a lot better about things at that point. Yeah, yeah, I that first game is definitely going to be interesting. I think if we get Woody and we get, you know, this ace-level Woody that we saw against the Cardinals, if we get that guy, and you mentioned already, Tyler, that in the clutch times when the Brewers need him, he shows up more times than he doesn't. So let's say we get Brandon Woodruff and we get what we expect from him. Then you can kind of expect to win game two. And yeah, that would be awesome if we get good outings from what it, whether it be a bullpen day with Brent Suter or just we need something. We need something in that first game. Because that would be awesome going into Woody's start and you're already up a game because then you feel like you can do it with that kind of talent on the mound. But if that doesn't happen and you split the first two games, you win Woody's game, you lose the first one, who the hell are you putting out in game three then, Tyler? You already mentioned bullpen game for game one. Who who is going to be that game three starter? (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) I mean... Everyone I was once ready to start. Do you throw him out there? Do you maybe throw Lindblom or Hauser out there with a really short leash? Uh, I have no idea what on earth would happen in that scenario, where if there would be a game three. It's and, it certainly would not be in the Brewers' favor. We'll say that. Yeah, and and the other thing is that game three. Yeah, you're gonna have super short leashes on guys. Whether you start Freddie, Lindblom, Hauser. All of them might be available that day just because you know if there's any sort of trouble, you're going to pull them. But then what does that leave you for the NLDS? Like, how do you how do you get through the NLDS? I mean, hopefully they had Corbin on the 10-day IL. Hopefully he can come back if we make it past the Dodgers. But, like, if you throw everything in that game three and say somehow we beat the Dodgers and get to the NLDS— 
Like, what kind of what is our pitching staff going to look like to be able to get through these first three games? I just think it's going to be pretty tough. So to me, the Brewers have to win that bullpen game in game one. And then Woody's got to be Woody to give him a chance to win in game two. Because if we go to three, even if we win, I feel like with our pitching staff the way it is, I'm not sure that we're going to be able to handle it because our offense can't pick them up. And that's been the thing all year. You know, our pitching staff has been good all year. Obviously, there's times where they struggle. You know, Lynn Bloom, Hauser, Brett Anderson at times have struggled. But for the most part, our bullpen has been very solid. The other two starters have been very good. So it's kept them in games, and it's allowed them to win 29 games, this pitching staff. Okay, 27, and the offense won them two games when they had those two big outbursts. But outside of that, it's been the pitching staff. So that is the really concerning part to me, is not having a second starter that you can count on, like really, really count on. That is the biggest concern for me, because this offense continues to struggle. We'll just go through some notables from this Cardinal series. Avi Garcia, 2 of 20 with 6 strikeouts. Ryan Braun, 2 of 16 with 5 strikeouts. Keston Hira, 4 of 18 with 6 strikeouts. Christian Yelich, 2 of 14 with 3 strikeouts. He did get on base 7 times via the walk. Um, so he was on base quite a bit. Jed Jerko, who's been probably our most consistent bat all year, 1 of 14 with a walk and 5 strikeouts. Just a lot of struggles at the plate and they have continued throughout the entirety of this year and that is you know we're talking about the pitching staff but the reason why the pitching staff is so important is because we have nothing in terms of production offensively yeah you're certainly right and the offense took another hit it seems like here with dan vogelbach clutching his hamstring after his last at bat on sunday here so Along with Anderson, we'll have to hear what the status is on Vogelbach coming up here um, because he's obviously been a very key and good bat here for the Brewers since they acquired him, and you would certainly love to have him in the postseason, most likely in that DH role, but I don't know what the availability for him is going to be there. And you kind of mentioned all these guys that struggled, especially in this series, but in the postseason, it seems like there's always like one player who just like overperforms, who becomes like a spark plug. And like, if you want me to predict, like, I don't know who one would be, but I feel like maybe our stars should just show up. That would be my big surprise if somebody actually played to their potential here. <laughs> I will give you three people that I think could. One of them I actually think is the most likely, which if I would have said that Six months ago, I would have been like, I want whatever you're taking right now because it seems ridiculous. But honestly, the guy that I kind of expect to be a spark plug, even though I don't know how much run production he will have yeah. just based on where he's hitting. Um, but Orlando Arcia. I Playoff think, Arcia! Yeah! <laughs> I, I think Orlando Arcia for sure. Like, especially based off of... You know, what we've seen, you know, we typically get nothing of him throughout the regular season, and then he actually looks good in the playoffs. That is the guy that I am most confident in, and I feel really weird saying that. And then, like you said, I think the other two that I'm really looking at is Yelich and Hira, and I think you can probably throw Braun in there too because Braun has been really good outside of this Cardinals series in September and has won the Brewers some games probably single-handed, definitely single-handedly. I think there was a series where he was 
the only offense in the entire series. So I think overall, Arcia is the guy that I'm looking at just because he has been, outside of Jed Jerko, he has been probably the most consistent bat all year, which is, again, weird to say. I've seen him produce in the postseason before. So he's the guy I'm looking at. And Keston here and Christian Yelich, I am, at this point, I'm hoping for it. I haven't seen a lot. I've thought Yelich has been coming out of it in a few different situations this year. Before we even reach the halfway point, you know, there's times where he's starting to walk a little bit more. He's starting to hit the ball hard a little bit. He's not whiffing quite as much. And then he went right back into striking out a ton. And then you'd see him start coming out of it. You know, this series, he gets seven walks. Can we see Christian Yelich get out of this? Can we see him get on base? Can we see him get more productive outs? You know, this series wasn't egregious in terms of strikeouts. He had three, but... We have to see Christian Yelich come back if we want a chance offensively to hang with the Dodgers. Yeah, you're right. And the Dodgers have announced their first two starters already. So the Brewers are going to have their work cut out for them. It's going to be Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw. So oh. Bueller has a 97 mile per hour fastball and then a 92 mile per hour cutter. So similar to Burns in that regard. And then mixes in a curveball at 82 in there. If you look at the percentages, it's fastball. 62% cutter 15 curve 16 but that that cutter can obviously be very devastating and the first thing that comes in my mind when you're talking to Orlando RC is him chasing that pitch but as you mentioned he's done a lot better this year and and laying off those cutting away from him and then Kershaw is like the exact opposite like his fastball velocity has gone down quite a bit over the past few years here he's sitting around 92 this year but he throws that fastball and slider both at 40% and the speed, 92 with the fastball, 88 with the slider. And then he throws in that slow sweeping curve at 74, the remaining 20% of the time. So uh, not only the exact opposite in terms of like velocity and pitch style, but then you're also opposite handedness. So what the Brewers decide to do lineup wise there is going to be interesting. Yeah, definitely. And you know Craig Council is going to tinker with that lineup and change it game to game here as long as the Brewers remain in the postseason one question I do have for you because I'm not fully up on you know the Dodgers roster all that type of thing you mentioned very good two starting pitchers that the Brewers are going to have to face which definitely don't make it easy but say you know it's a close game that second game Woody's pitching really well and they get to the bullpen and it's still a very close game what is the bullpen situation for the Dodgers is that something that the Brewers are going to be able to take care of or do they have a pretty good bullpen as well so the Dodgers bullpen is not much um, less. You're not going to gain anything by getting into this Dodgers bullpen. Uh, Kenley Jansen's still there, although his season stats don't look as impressive as normal. He's had a 3-3 ERA in 24 innings here, um, but he's obviously still really dominant. Blake Trinan, um, that big uh, like 99-mile-per-hour throwing lefty that they got from the A's over the offseason, he's there. He's got a 3-8-6 ERA in 25 innings this year. They have Alex Wood, but I think he's been used primarily as a starter so far this year. Um, oh, never mind. Take the back. Only 12 innings pitched. So Alex Wood could be an option there. Joe Kelly's still with the Dodgers. He's a righty there. He only has 10 innings pitched so far this year, so I'm not quite sure what's going on with that. But, I mean, overall, the Dodgers pitching staff is just absolutely incredible. I mean, as a team, they have the league's best ERA at 3.08, so 
in the postseason they're going to throw their best guys and <laughs> it's not going to be easy yeah yeah i i was worried that that was going to be your answer <laughs> uh yeah that's that definitely is not going to be a particularly easy lineup especially with a struggling offense and an offense that has not only been struggling lately, has just been struggling all year. We haven't seen them do anything remotely consistent. So that is definitely a concern and why I think we focused the first part of this podcast so much on the pitching staff. It is just going to be so important for them to keep it within a run or two, maybe three runs, but you can't let it get any more than that because if you do, this offense just has proved time and time again that they cannot come back from that if you get down more than four runs like the brewers offense is not capable of coming back from that it seems like this year whereas in years previous you usually feel pretty good about the brewers offense so another weird 2020 anomaly i'm gonna chalk it up to here yeah you're mentioning like the pitching staff and we talked a lot about drew rasmussen on the last podcast but man he got pushed around again here in this series against the cardinals and the one inning he was in there gave up three hits a walk, a home run, and gets tagged with three earned runs there. So in his last two outings, I believe that's seven earned runs in the last two innings. So his ERA just skyrocketed way up. And now it's kind of like he's losing that spot in those high leverage situations there. And maybe Eric Yardley would be kind of in front of Drew Rasmussen at this point. But what do you think for the bullpen there? Yeah, I mean, that definitely hurts. And that does not... That's not going to give Craig Council any sort of confidence with Drew Rasmussen. It's going to be, I think it's going to be tough to throw him out there in quite a few different situations. Even if it's just a clean inning to get to your guys, you know, say the Brewers get up early, they jump on one of these starters and, you know, they're up two or two to three to nothing. Now, do you trust Drew Rasmussen to get you from the sixth to the seventh? Do you trust him to throw the sixth inning and get you to Hader and Williams with a lead still? Like, based on the recent outings, you know, I thought it was just maybe a blow-up start, but maybe it's more than that. Now, now is that is that guy Eric Yardley? Is does Corey Knable play a role? Like, it'll it'll be interesting to see. I think. Eric Yardley probably deserves that first try a little bit more, especially in that situation. But in a more high leverage situation, you know, your starters running into trouble in the in the sixth inning. There is an out in the sixth inning, runners on first and seconds, a run's already in. Like, and then in that situation, what are you doing? Do you think Eric Yardley can get you out of that, or is that Knable? Because, like I said, I think. Drew Rasmussen might have pitched his way out of those type of situations going into the postseason this year. Yeah, unfortunately, I think you are right there. Despite how good his stuff is, it's the results have just been too much in the downward trajectory here over his last two outings like we were talking about. So let's finish up the Cardinals series here. This is going to be our last regular season MVP. And Dud. So, who gets the last MVP for you of the regular season? I I honestly forgot that we were recapping the Cardinals series. <laughs> <laughs> so did I, but I figured we have to do this. It's a tradition. <laughs> yes. So, I for my MVP, I am going with a guy 
that somehow has only been series MVP one time, and that's Brandon Woodruff. Um, I gave him series MVP in the second series of the year that was against the Pirates, and I think very clearly he deserves it. You know, we're talking about this potential or this postseason matchup, and he's the guy that you trust going into this with with Corbin Burns on the 10-day DL with your offense struggling and have been struggling for the whole year now. Brandon Woodruff's the guy you trust outside of, you know, Devin Williams and Josh Hader. Obviously, you still trust those guys immensely in the back end of your bullpen, but Woody's the guy and he was the guy this series in that in that start. He won the Brewers a game, you know, the offense does help with with the home runs in that game, but Brandon Woodruff willed them and made sure they won that game. So that is my series MVP. Very well deserved there. I'm going to go with Hater for mine just because we got him into the situations where we needed him to, and he got us our the two wins. He was in there for both of those saves, strikes out three batters, doesn't give up any runs, definitely has some momentum heading into the postseason here. And his last couple of outings here now, he's just kind of, he said he made a mechanical tweak and his velocity's all of a sudden up closer to 95, 96 all of a sudden more. So hopefully Hader is hitting his stride here at the right time. Who do you got for a dud? Between Avi Garcia, Ryan Braun, Jed Jerko, Christian Yelich, and Keston Hira, you can pick any one of those. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's very rough. But I between those guys, there is just those guys you kind of expect those those five guys to give you a good amount of production. But between those five guys, you only have like eleven hits in in a five game series. That that hurts immensely. And there is more strikeouts between those five guys than there and it's considerable more strikeouts than they do have hits. So just very, very frustrating. Can I can I just give the offense the whole <laughs> offense, the dud. I think so. We have no rules on this. Okay, I'm doing it then. The the entirety of the offense. And I'm going to say the t- entirety of the offense minus Arcia because his stat line actually looks good. You look at it, 7 of 17, one strikeout, one walk. He did have a home run and three doubles, it looks like. Like, it just, he did great. Like, he actually was productive for the most part. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to go with the offense. (laughs) That's fair. I'm going to take a picture or a picture for my dud. I'm going to go with, uh, Freddie Peralta. So he came in when Brett Anderson came out with the blister. And at that point there was runners on first and third, I believe there's two runners on for sure. And then Peralta comes in and the first thing he does is there's a little dribbler in the infield and he tries to rush his throw and throws it away and two runs end up scoring on that and then four runs end up scoring a total over the inning and I was like oh man Freddie like it's a rough first time back for you from the paternity leave here and you know what was we all thought you need to win to get in the playoffs he really just kind of did not help or hold the Cardinals at bay when he was relied upon there so I'm gonna give him the dud here for me. Well, let's move it back here to the Dodgers. So we talked about their pitching staff already, and we need to talk about their offense a little bit here. So this Dodgers team does have the league best 43 wins, and they did it a lot via the home run ball. They led the league in homers with 118 of them. 
They have five players who are in the double digits for home runs. So you look at this. You have Mookie Betts with 16 home runs on the year. Bellinger with 12. Seager with 15. Muncie with 12. And then A.J. Pollock with 16. <laughs> so we saw in the Red Series a couple, or was that last week, when we gave up, what, all 14 runs in the entire series came via the home run. Uh, hopefully we're not looking for a repeat here uh, with this very home run heavy Dodgers offense. Uh, yeah, that's that's a little scary. <laughs> um, that's a, that's definitely a lot of home runs, and yeah, that that Red series definitely makes it more concerning for Brewers for the Brewers. Now, Tyler, I am not all up on what the postseason is actually going to look like this year. So, is is the first series all in Dodger Stadium? Yes, it is. That's a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly park than, say, Miller Park. But even still, you look at those home run numbers, you know, they've played quite a bit there. So obviously it doesn't matter to them because that 118 home runs in 60 games is pretty damn impressive. I'm trying to remember Dodger Stadium. I'm pretty sure it has the short right field. So, like, lefty hitters obviously benefit from that the most. And the Dodgers have a lot of lefty hitters, uh, which is kind of why I was talking earlier about starting Suter and Man, if Brett Anderson was able to go, if there was needed a game three, I feel like that would be huge. Um, but I mean, still, these guys hit, and we've seen the Dodgers are able to throw in other right-handed batters as well when a lefty starter's out there. Enrique Hernandez is a guy who kind of platoons in that scenario. Justin Turner sometimes is used as a platoon, um, sometimes not. I don't know. He's had some really weird years over the past, and then. Obviously, Gavin Lux was still there, but he was really struggling this year and really was a non-factor in their offense. So it's mainly ran through Mookie Betts uh, this year, um, who just did phenomenal. I mean, OPS of 928, and then Corey Seager was good as well. OPS of 943 for him. They were the leaders on the team um, when you factor in their at-bats. Yeah, and I pulled up the dimensions just to see. I guess it's not that much of a hitter or pitcher's park now that I look at it. At both foul poles, it's 330. Left center and right center, 385. And then center is 395. So the alleys seem a little deep. But other than that, it, it's not that pitcher friendly, I don't think. Because 330 in the corners and really, if you look at it, the first, like, 10, 15 feet off the foul pole is like a three-foot fence, and then the rest of it looks a little bit higher, you know, the standard, I think, eight feet or something like that. So definitely more of a hitter-friendly park than I remember, but yeah, that's that's definitely a big concern going into this and something that the pitching staff needs to get a hold of. And and maybe, maybe Dodger Stadium is where the Brewers just, like, change the scenery, just like Dan Vogelbach, change the scenery, the offense just comes out of nowhere and plays insanely well this series. I hope so. And like going to the West Coast shouldn't be too much of an issue because the Brewers are probably there or on their way there as we speak right now on Sunday night. So and the series doesn't start until Wednesday. So I have a few days to kind of relax, enjoy the city and get used to that time zone there. So should have no excuses there. And then ideally they just short short little plane trip to Texas right after the Dodgers series. That would be the best case scenario for the Brewers. Do you have anything else about the Dodgers you want to talk about at all? No, I, I'm excited for some postseason baseball. I mean, throughout 
all sports, it's been weird not having fans. But I think postseason baseball, it always feels so different. I think a lot of the times because baseball has so many regular season games and you see a lot of them during the week where, you know, you, you just aren't going to get fans at a seven o'clock game on a Wednesday or at as many fans. But those postseason crowds are always so much fun and it's going to be very weird. Um, it has been throughout this year with baseball, basketball, football now. Like it's all been weird, but I just feel like postseason baseball is going to be very, very, very strange with no fans at all. <laughs> it certainly is because postseason baseball, like no fan ever sits down and it's just so electric no matter what game you're watching. <laughs> like that That's really what makes postseason baseball there. And I know the players really enjoy that as well. So yeah, completely different energy. Hopefully the change of scenery is going to help like you mentioned. And hopefully we can come back and do one more awesome series recap here of a postseason victory. That would be fantastic. Um, But until then, we'll all just sit here really nervously until the first game is played on Wednesday, September 30th. So until the conclusion of the Dodgers series, we will talk to you later, Brewer fans. Trust in the pitching staff.